WYTI invites you to stay tuned for My Brother's Crossing. My Brother's Crossing is a program centered around obedience, love, forgiveness, and hope that we pray will encourage and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here are JT and Terry Lee Clark, servant leaders of My Brother's Crossing. Well, good Sunday morning to everyone, and welcome to this week's broadcast of the My Brother's Crossing radio show. My name is J.T. Clark, and I'm a servant leader with our ministry, My Brother's Crossing. And on this Sunday morning, May 1st, I'm joined by a very special guest, a, a friend of mine, a brother in Christ. His name is James Clifton. Uh, James, thank you for being on the show with me today. Thank you, J.T., for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, James, uh, I've invited him on here because he's got a powerful testimony. He's got a powerful story about his relationship with the Lord and just all the ways that God is using him. And so I just wanted to uh, offer him an opportunity to come on and share uh, just just about all of that. And so we're looking forward to what's going to happen over the course of the next 30 minutes. Thank you, Jake. Absolutely. Uh, so a couple of other things I wanted to announce before we get into uh, into this week's show. We have uh, uh, this morning, uh, I'll be at Charlottesville Church of the Brethren uh, on Sunday, May 1st. As you're hearing this recording, I'll be preparing to speak at that church uh, and then uh, later in the week, uh, I will be traveling with my wife to Orlando to the International Christian Film Festival. Uh, our movie, My Brother's Crossing, has been nominated as most inspirational feature film at that film festival in Orlando. We're really excited about it. It's not about the accolades. Uh, it's not about the potential of the accolades, but it is an opportunity for us to get this story in front of more people. Uh, more than 3,000 people are expected to be at this festival in Orlando. And our movie will be screened as part of the festival uh, on Thursday morning. Uh, the awards dinner is on Saturday night. And uh, we're just looking forward to a, a move of God. We're going to set up as a vendor there. Uh, and more than anything, we want to minister to people that come by and visit our table. Uh, and so we're we're just excited that, that God has opened that door. Uh, this past week has been a, a powerful week of ministry. Uh, uh, Terry Lee uh, got to speak at a women's conference yesterday in South Carolina, I mean, North Carolina. And uh, and James and uh, Terry Lee and I uh, all had the opportunity to attend some chaplain service training uh, in the Richmond area on Sunday through Wednesday. And uh, it was just great training for us. It helps us in the work that we do as chaplains in our respective jurisdictions and uh, the areas that we we are called to serve, and and so James, you took the trip with us uh, on Sunday to come here to Richmond, and yes, sir, and uh, it's it's been an experience. It sure has, man. Yeah. So, what are some of the main takeaways from the training that that you had this week? Uh, just a lot of the the stories that people opened up and talked about. Um, the Bible said, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and, the, and by the words of their testimonies, and they loved not their lives unto death, Revelation 12, 11. Um, and so that was very inspiring to hear. Um, stories that went along with some of the teachings of the class, and we learned that it's a ministry of presence. Um, and, and so... Um, anyway, I just, I just took, took away a whole lot of good knowledge, um, what to say, maybe what not say, um, and just being there for, for the families and first responders, um, and that I don't have to say a whole lot like I, I thought I would have had to, 
I don't have to always have the perfect words, but just uh, just being there for them and um, and and getting to know them better. Um, the expertise that was in the room. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you and I are relatively new at this field of fire first responder chaplaincy and the expertise that was in the room that we went through the training with, there was a lot of knowledge in that room. Uh, more knowledge than the actual instructor had <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. It, he did a great job of facilitating the conversation and uh, drawing from the expertise in the room. Uh, but it was just great for us to be able to hear the dialogue back and forth, the exchange back and forth. And really that's that part of what I took out of it. And James, yeah. you're, you're a fire chaplain uh, and you're with the department in Henry County to begin with. What's the name of the department? Patrick Henry Volunteer Fire Department. <laughs> and we help both Patrick County and Henry County. And uh, also I'm the chaplain of the Marsville Henry County Fire Association. Yeah. So in that role as chaplain, you find yourself in different circumstances where you need to minister to people uh, that are that are hurting from a circumstance. Yeah. Or looking for sign, knowing them well enough to look for signs that they might have dealt with some kind of crisis or trauma in their life and uh, maybe knowing what to look for um, and and being a bridge to to help them maybe uh connect with some resources exactly you know you just want to uh sometimes that's all that we're there to do right it's just to connect them to a resource sometimes just be a listening ear uh to help them in their situation uh so james um uh, you you have been involved in the fire service yeah uh as a firefighter uh you've, three years three years now. you've been an engineer uh in your department you're responsible for maintaining the equipment Yes, sir. Lots of lots of responsibilities. How does the chaplaincy service compare or weigh into into those other roles, those other hats you served? Um, well, to be honest, especially after the chaplain training, I, I realized that uh, trying to be an engineer, I was spending more time trying to worry about trucks and, and all the things in the fire department. And it was taken away pretty much all my time to actually play, be, play the role as a chaplain. And so um, it's not as serious in the volunteer side, uh, but I actually messaged my chief or called him and, and said, would you have a problem if uh, so-and-so that had more time to give to the trucks uh, would, would take that position because I, I choose, I, I feel called just to do the chaplain part. And I actually get to go in and fight fire too. I still be able to do that. But um, so it's, it's, it's almost impossible to uh, do, do both. The people is much. where your heart is. Yes, sir. The people is where your heart is. God's, pointing people to Christ, to, to minister to people, to witness to people. That's where your heart lies. Now, James, uh, you've, you and I have talked about this a, a lot uh, over the last couple of months and certainly over the, over the course of the past week. But uh, your relationship with Christ hasn't been there since you were a small child. No. Uh, uh, so talk to me about your, about your faith a little bit and, and kind of how you came to a relationship with Christ. I need like a couple hours to, t <laughs> to tell it all, but because I only have a few minutes, um, pretty much 
Uh, I was in the Marines at the age of 20. At the age of 22, uh, I got my wisdom teeth cut out. They gave me a prescription of pain pills. Um, I was the one that, that got hooked on them. Um, within a 10-year period of time, because of that, um, I ended up getting on uh, stronger pain pills, which led to uh, cocaine, uh, crack, uh, DUIs along the way, um, uh, a felony drug charge years ago, um, complete mess in my life. Um, uh, pretty, okay, fast forward to um, I was introduced to methamphetamine uh, by my next door neighbor. Um, I eventually started manufacturing or making it. Um, there was an anonymous tip that there was, I was making it in my apartment. So the cops came in, found some paraphernalia, convinced somebody I cared about that if they give me up that uh, they weren't getting any trouble. But um, so the police officers left. Um, it, it caused me to get even more paranoid. They didn't, they didn't arrest me at the moment. Uh, it, it made me more angrier. And um, about that time, I, I felt like there was no hope for a better life. I thought I ruined my life. The morning after Christmas of 2013, I attempted suicide. Woke up in the hospital three days later on life support. They told my family I was going to have brain damage. Um, it, it didn't cause me to, to change my ways for the better because in my own strength, I never could have. Um, I ended up moving out in the woods in a tent, lost everything. Um, a couple weeks, couple weeks later, um, I was indicted for manufacturing methamphetamine, so I turned myself in. Three weeks later, after I'm in jail, um, uh, I give one of the guards a suicide note, thinking that it would get me put in a hospital, but it didn't. They put me in a cell by myself, took all my clothes away. I was completely naked, but I had a white paper gown on. I froze. Um, begged them to give me my clothes back and they wouldn't because I was on suicide watch. 48 hours later, my will was completely broken. I was 33 years old. Um, the, the guard finally brought my clothes into me. And at that moment, the most important part of the story, uh, I felt uh, God's hand like I felt God's grace, like real grace and mercy. And like he put his loving arms around me and told me no matter what I've done in my life and in my past, that everything was going to be okay. And at that moment, I experienced great shame and guilt. He showed me who I was in his sight. Um, uh, that, that not just because I've heard it from pastors and preachers, but I really felt that I was a sinner on my way to hell and I deserved it. Um, I, I took responsibility for my own actions at that moment. And, and, and I realized that this life ain't about me or us. It's, it's not about what I can get. It's, it's all about God and, and his glory. And we're all tools for him to use. 
And uh, so I surrendered my life to him. And I said, if you help me to stay clean and give me a chance to make things right in my life, I'll live for you the rest of my life. And uh, it, it was serious. It wasn't just to get out of jail. Um, and so I know we're short on time. So um, it's so much to the story. Uh, so when I finally get out of jail, um, I wasn't concerned about a job or, or anything like most people. I was concerned about building relationships with my family, um, learning more about Jesus after I had an encounter with him. Um, I, I, I felt his presence. So I, I realized that it was life and death and that I had to make it either serious all the way or not at all. Um, everything that I listened to, everything that I watched had to change. It had to be, everything had to become about God. Uh, so six months later, my last court date, I thought I was looking at a very serious charge, uh, manufacturing methamphetamine. Um, I get to court and, and every judge has that one thing that they hate the most. And this judge hated methamphetamine. So anyway, um, he, the person I cared about, it was only her word. There was no proof that I made anything. And so he suspended the manufacturing and I got a possession charge for the paraphernalia um, and gave me uh, indefinite probation for the rest of my life. Um, so four years later, after I did everything I was supposed to do to the T, um, they wrote a letter to the judge to get me off uh, probation. And I eventually uh, get, got my rights back, gun rights back. Um, not long ago, I paid off $5,000 that I owed for back child support. Um, the same, the same uh, woods that uh, I lived in a tent in the woods. When I got out of jail, God led me and my dad to build a stage in the field in Bassett, Virginia. And I put up a cross and we have revivals every year. And evangelist comes, we have music. And uh, you have a revival coming up here soon. June the 11th. Um, that'll mark my eighth year of real salvation and, and being drug free. And um, you, you mentioned real salvation, James. What, what does that mean to you when you say real salvation? Um, years ago, when I was a teenager, um, I believed that Jesus Christ was God. I believed in, in the message and, and I prayed the prayer and, uh, and, and and to keep me from going to hell. And I had no relationship with Jesus outside of church. And um there, there is a difference um, that this religion and, and this time I truly came to know the Savior and he saved my life. And uh, that's about, just what I say. You talked really. about him being not only your Savior, but being Lord. Lord, Lord of our lives, too. Uh, like me and JT was talking, most people want the Savior, but not the Lord. Uh, they want the crown, but not the thorns. Um, so, so the same fire department that helped get me out of that apartment when I attempted suicide is the same fire department that I get service chaplain of today. Um, 
there's so much to the story. Me and my family have a great relationship now and, and, and everything in my life has not been perfect ever since I've had to, but, but God's helped me to sit back and he says, if, if you take care of my work, then I'll take care of you. And, and so, um, So, but, but going back, taking, taking this whole story, it has nothing to do with me. And, and I can't take credit for anything good that ever happened. Um, once God changed my heart in that cell and only God can change a man's heart. Once he changed my heart for the good, uh, all credit goes to him. Uh, everything we owe, uh, own is his. And, and to be honest, everything before I got saved was his. I just finally realized uh, after I got saved. How much he loved you. Yeah. You know, one of the verses that we come to on this radio show often is in Psalm. Uh, it's Psalm 37. It's verse four. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, James, one of the things about that is he wants the desires of our heart to be on things of him. That's right. And, and reconciliation is uh, uh, something of God. Our reconciliation back to him through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And once that right relationship is restored vertically, then we can look at relationships horizontally. That's right. And you've talked quite a bit about your family. So, so talk about your relationship with your wife, your mom and dad, your children, how that's been restored through uh, this right relationship with God. <laughs> Uh, well, well, it all started uh, when I got out of jail. Um, I, I felt this huge debt to society, the community, my family, and, and I just became a servant. Um, and and uh, the, the way the world brings us up to be is if, that per if you respect me, I'll respect you. Or if you forgive me, I'll forgive you. And, and um, I experienced so, so much humility that, uh, it, it was, a, it was almost a desperate need to, to go make things right with my family. Um, and not just say, Oh, I'm sorry for what I did. You know, like I, I over exaggerated because I wanted them to truly know just how sorry I was. Um, and some of the some of the things I went back and said I'm sorry for quite a few things. Um, even even eight years later, I ran into a situation where um, I seen from the other side of on, on the family side and not the drug addict and what I put my family through. Um, and so eight years later, I apologized again for what I did to my family. But anyway. Um, uh, well, when I think about the fact you served in the very department that was there to save your life uh, when you found yourself in trouble, and now you're back serving in, in that department in the community, the very community where you wrecked some havoc, you created some havoc in the community. That's right. Uh, it, it's got to be maybe surreal on one hand, a bit odd, but yeah. it, uh, on the other hand, uh, just overwhelming, miraculous. Very, very. Yeah. And and it's a story that, that can't be hid. It has to be told. Amen. Amen. You 
you know, as we've traveled a little bit together, we, we spent uh, a weekend together down in North Carolina at the uh, Walk to Emmaus yeah. back last month. I sponsored you on your Walk to Emmaus. And, and then to have this opportunity to travel uh, this past week to Richmond to attend this conference and just to watch other people gravitate to uh, when you share your story and, and see the impact. Uh, uh, here you you were involved in drugs. Uh, you you didn't have hope. You, you wanted to take your own life. You found yourself incarcerated. Uh, you found yourself uh, at the proverbial end of a rope uh, just wanting to be out of here. And, and now God has restored you in a way that's really made uh, a difference, not just for you and your salvation, your eternal life, but in the lives of other people. It, it's, a, it's a lot to wrap your mind it around. Is. It is. You know, somebody's listening today. Somebody's listening to this radio show and, and they're struggling in their situation. They're struggling in their circumstance. They, they, they have relationships that might be uh, at, at the end of a rope, so to speak. Uh, they, they have circumstances in their life they want to see improve, but they don't see a way. How, 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 what, how do they find the hope that you found? Well, our only hope, no matter if we're addicts or uh, what we are, our only hope is found in Jesus Christ. Um, but there were two years in that time period that I was kind of made to go to Piedmont Community Center and there was counselors and medications uh, that that I, I still was in bondage regardless, never set free, um, just helped a little bit. And uh, and so for for over 10 years of every day to function somehow uh, was was by taking some kind of drug Um but I found that that with rehabs, unless it's some faith-based rehab, but but with rehabs, all counseling, ninety percent of it is is man's wisdom, um, and and so our only hope, uh, and there is hope for even the lost causes that that you think there's no hope for, um, but a one hundred percent surrendered life. I have no idea, Lord, what I'm doing, but here's my life. Do what you want with it. Um, I'm not worthy. Uh, you get all the praise, honor, and glory, Lord. I, I'm putting you first before my wife or kids or husband, whatever you got, uh, before my family, and, and I, I serve you from here on out. And, um, and, and with that kind of heart change, um, and I pray for each one of you to, to ever experience that. Um, but that will, that is our only hope and, and to make a decision that I'm going to be in God's house, no matter what, I don't care if there's a pandemic, I don't care if there's disease, I'm going to be in God's house because when I put my faith and trust and, and put my life in his hands, that means nothing can happen to me unless it is his will. And the Bible says, forsake not to gather and know my people. And so when, when you truly give your life to him, um, you can overcome anything. Well, well, he overcomes through you. And uh, so that that is that is my greatest advice. And um, well, you know, we, we share a common 
uh, background in the fact that I also required a lot of mental health services uh, for, for the better part of 30 years uh, before I came to a relationship with Christ, before I had my breakthrough in the issue of forgiveness. And, and the people that have heard our show before have heard that story. For me, the secular treatment that I received over those 30 years did serve a purpose in helping me to hang on till I got to this place of a relationship with Christ. You're right. The, the only bondage, only time I was ever free was when I went all in with Christ. Yeah. But but those other treatments did serve a purpose to keep me until I got to that place where I was ready to receive him as my Lord and Savior. And you're 100 percent right when you talk about the difference between looking at Christ as our Savior versus looking at him as our uh, Lord all, as well. Uh, that's where the relationship really, that's where it really takes root. That's right. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's just, uh, w when I think about, uh, what, what you've carried, what, what you've, uh, what you've been through it, again, I hope that somebody listening today would just be encouraged, uh, to hang on just a little bit longer. You know, if, if you're, if you're trying to figure this out, you know, the surrender is the answer, but. You got to get to that place, right? That's right. Oh, one more Go thing. Uh, prayer, it, it works. My parents, uh, my family prayed for me for, for years and years and years. And they wondered, why is he getting worse and on stronger drugs? But if I would have never went, to, and I'm not encouraging anybody to get on methamphetamine, but if if I would have never got to that and, and, and that ruined everything enough to where I got put in jail like I did and then went to the, the jail cell. Um, if none of that, if, if those 48 hours of humility that I experienced in Henry County jail would not have taken place, um, jail wouldn't have been enough to, to change me alone. So I had to get alone and experience humility. And, um, and, and so their prayers did work, but it took, God working all that out because um, he knew what I needed. Um, so so what I'm trying to say is, is keep praying for your loved ones. I don't care if they're getting worse and worse and worse. Um, God is listening. Um, you know, if, if you've got a praying grandmother, if, if you're sitting here listening to this show and and you do not have a relationship with Christ, but you've got a praying grandmother, you might as well give up right now. <laughs> you might as well give up right now. Yeah. Uh, you all know how much my wife prayed for me for all those years. She was steadfast in her faith. She was steadfast in her prayer walk. Uh, and I believe her covering me in prayer all those years kept me till I got to this place. Sure. And I'm guessing she wasn't the only one. I'm guessing, and I, I do know this, my brother was praying for me as well. His senior pastor told me, uh, last month that they spent a lot of time praying for my soul, praying for me and uh, that I would come to this relationship with Christ. And I, I'm glad you talked about the, the significance and the importance of a prayer life. And if you're going through something and you don't see the light, you don't see uh, where God's moving and you're just frustrated and you're, you're having doubts, just keep praying, keep praying. His word says, never stop praying all things, give thanksgiving in all things praise in all things and just wait on him to move. And, and when your life does, when God does grab a hold to your life like that, uh, I encourage you to tell, tell everybody 
um, not to keep it for yourself and not to worry about friends because I'm trusting somebody listening is, is this might uh, be the seed or that that gets planted on good ground and and if if this message does encourage you and and maybe you might come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior or get closer to him um, me and JT have no power here. It would it, it's the Holy Spirit, of course, working. Um, but I, uh, it, it's very important, like the Book of Revelation says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimonies. And uh, so there needs to be more people telling other people about what Jesus has done in their life. And that's what it means to be a witness for Christ. Mm-hmm. Just tell them what he's done. You know, James, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show this morning. I appreciate you sharing your experiences with it. It's uh, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, be transparent with the things you've been through. Uh, It's remarkable to watch what God has done in your life. And uh, just excited about where things are going to go in our relationship, where things are going to go in your walk with Christ, where things are, how he's going to use you in a mighty way for his kingdom. And I'm excited for that. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, as we close out this morning's uh, show. Most gracious and heavenly Father, I come boldly to your throne of grace and mercy this morning, Father. And I just uh, I'm excited about uh, what what James has been able to share over the last 30 minutes, Father. I just pray that just one person would be encouraged and touched by what he's had to share. Maybe just one examines their own walk with Christ. Maybe just one comes to know a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father. Uh, We just ask that you uh, be with those listeners. We ask you to stir in their spirits in the week ahead. Maybe they can apply just one thing that they heard this morning in their own walk. And we're just excited about what you're going to do in the days and weeks ahead. Put a hedge of protection around James as he goes forth. We pray these things in your precious and holy son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to My Brother's Crossing on WYTI. We invite you to tune in again next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for My Brother's Crossing with J.T. and Terry Lee Clark, servant leaders of My Brother's Crossing. Love God, love people.